Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Sanchez, the Rick Sanchez Podcast. So glad that you're there. Oh, so here we go again. Holiday season. We got through Thanksgiving. Now we're coming up on the holidays. We're all prepared. And then there's New Year's. And there's just moments when we're all getting together with friends and family. And we spend most of the year working, but then we have these occasions, and usually around this time of the year, where we get together with people that we haven't seen in a long time. And we have to prepare ourselves to be able to deal with people who live in a different silo. And we talk about this all the time, because today people live in different silos. And thank God there are those of us who are able to manifest ourselves in both silos. Because the silos, obviously, the ones that come to mind that are most obvious is the left and the right. There's people out there who only watch Fox News and only like one thing and they think uh, that and they are not going to hear whatever you hear because they're never going to watch MSNBC. Just using those two as an example. Could be the New York Times, could be what you read, could be something else. And then there are people out there who only watch MSNBC. And they look at the world through the eyes of everything that they hear on MSNBC. And because they never turn over to Fox, they don't know that those people are hearing a completely different message. So they're in a different silo. And that silo is a very, very isolated place. So isolated that it makes you think that what you think is the most important message in the world. And that everyone must think like you. So you'll say things in front of people, not knowing that they might actually even take offense to them. Or they might even look at you like, why are you talking about that? Because we finally decided this year that we're all going to come together as a family. We're going to gather and we're going to break bread. And you want to talk about politics? And you're criticizing, I don't know, this group or that group or expressing some very, very over-politicized opinion. That's not to say that people from time to time shouldn't have a political discussion, but not one where you start the conversation assuming that what you say everyone agrees with, because they might not. So sometimes it's in the presentation. Of course, the best thing of all is to find something else to talk about during the holidays. Because to be honest with you, politics is not the most important thing not even close to it. And too many people do believe that that's all that matters. But how do we break away from that, right? How do, how, how do you still enjoy a family gathering during the holidays and keep your sanity about you and not have the family holiday break into a fight? Because Uncle Joe got into an argument with Aunt Betty about Trump or about Biden or about whatever the hell else is going on out there. And now they're screaming at each other and the whole night is ruined because everybody's on pins and needles and who the hell wants to do that? And by the way, since these holidays are more often than not, based on people coming together and it has a spiritual or a religious overtone to it. What the hell is spiritual or religious about bringing people together so they can fight and argue and scream at each other and walk away hating each other? And that's what we want to avoid. How do we do it? 
What are the lessons? What are the steps that one would take to make sure that they can avoid this kind of situation? We got it. This is a conversation we had with jo Josh Claypo, and he he's an expert on this. So he's able to break down for us exactly the tools that we need to bring to the game to be able to manifest them in these most difficult times. Can you believe I'm saying these most difficult times about the holidays? This is when we should be joyous, uh, joyous and, and happy and surrounded by family and feeling warmth. They shouldn't be about anger. So take a listen. We think this is a really important show that we want to share part of it with you again so you can experience it because I think you'll come away with some tools that you'll be able to use during this holiday season. Joining us now is Dr. Josh Claypo. Uh, uh, he is a uh, PhD. Uh, Dr. Claypo is a clinical psychologist and behavioral uh, scientist. He co-hosts a show, by the way, called The K&K Show. So, uh this is a guy who's probably been giving a lot of thought to this and dealing with it for quite some time. And he's this is not probably the first time that we have a conversation, uh, Scotty, with, uh, with, with Dr. Claypo uh, about this subject. I have, I have a feeling he's probably been talking to a lot of people about this. Uh, hey, Doc, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. And yes, I've been talking about this quite, quite a bit. So maybe we just start with, you know, the at the beginning. Uh, it seems to me America has never been more angry. Uh, and America, at the same time, has never been more boastful about what it feels. Uh, you have people who will just come to your backyard barbecue and say some of the things that we just heard in that uh, Saturday Night Live spoof. What do we do? Uh, you, you know, it's funny because Bill Maher was right and kind of like our parents were right in the sense that you do have to be thoughtful about what you talk about when you're talking about quote politics and religion i think the thing that maybe we forget there's there's two factors i think we forget number one obviously the impact of social media in terms of just the amount of information being flown at us constantly uh it's not three channels um, now I'm dating myself. It's not three channels. It's <laughs> multiple sources, multiple bits of information. And, and that does create a um, it sits at the front of our brain a lot more than maybe it ever did. Mm. The second thing, just real quickly, is, you know, we talk we use the word politics. But if you think about it, politics can be everything and anything. And, and the reason I say that is. We're talking not just about political parties. We're talking about social issues. We're talking about economics. And so I think it's important that while we say, you know, don't talk about politics, we're also kind of saying, okay, well, don't talk about politics. And then as it relates to social issues and economic issues and issues of, of race and ethnicity, it, it goes broader and broader and broader. And so we get to this weird place where, okay, well, what are we supposed to talk about? Hmm. And I think that's the issue. And maybe we can talk about it in a minute the whole idea of civility, but it's more than politics. It's, it's absolutely larger issues. Well, you, let's start with what you first said, that too often these ideas sit in the front of our brain. That's fascinating. Uh, I'm wondering how we keep them from sitting in the front of our brain and how it got there in the first place. Well, you know, again, if we, if we slice and dice this a little bit, a lot of these issues um, should sit in the front of our brain. 
They're big issues. When we talk about economics, we talk about social circumstances, we talk about all, all the things I was just saying. They're huge. They should sit in the front of our brain. That's To me, that's not the problem. The problem is at Thanksgiving or at social gatherings, how do we communicate about that? And or do we communicate about that? It's mm -hmm. it's the classic read the room. There are times and places to talk about these things. And there are cues that we may get, as you talked about in the beginning, when we go into you know, our family or our friends and we think they're on the same page and we find out, oh, they're not. Those are the moments where we really have to use our brains more so than whether it's on the front of our mind or not. But let me tell you why we can't right now in America, because it is so hardwired. It is such, it's not just a thought process that we have. It's not just an opinion that we have. It's gone beyond that, doctor. It's a value now. This mm -hmm. is really important to me. Those immigrants coming over the border, this is what I think about almost 24-7. And you damn well better be ready that if you're within a six-foot area of me, you're going to hear about it because I'm going to tell you what I think about that. It's this need to share very personal values, very personal opinions about what I think because, as you said, it sits in the front of my brain. I, I will tell you this, Rick. The reason we have these big foreheads, um, our frontal cortex, is we've got a part of our brain that was designed to do things like control our impulses, to control or think about what might happen if I say or do this. It's called executive functioning. That's why we have a big frontal lobe. And I think what people do or what they forget is, well, everything you just said is true. This may be something you are so incredibly passionate about. Fine. You still have the ability to make a decision. Do I want to go there at my family gathering? Mm -hmm. Do I want to do that right now? And what are the implications for all of us in this family gathering? And, and really what you're talking about is, am I able to step outside of myself and just my opinion and think about the other people around me? And that's the, it's the dilemma and it's the challenge for every one of us during the holiday season. So what you're describing is self-policing. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what we're human. We're supposed to be able to do that, even though we're hardwired to feel passionate about things, we're also hardwired to be able to control our impulses. So I'm sitting at the, the table during the holidays and somebody in my family says to me and in front of my wife and in, my, in front of my uh, children uh, that that ass Biden who sits in the White House is the reason that we're going through all of this inflation. And I'm surprised you guys were able to come up with the money to put this food on the table based on all the asinine decisions that he and all the Democrats have made. Because as far as I'm concerned, they're all communists. And before you know it, if we elect enough of them, this whole country is going to be a communist country. Wow. Yeah, and totally just, inappropriate for family discussion. And you say something. This is when you, now it's your opportunity, because you've heard something that is inappropriate to be said at the family table. Mm -hmm. It's your opportunity to say, you know what? 
I don't appreciate that. I would rather we not talk about these things while we're having this meal together as a family. And I'd ask you to stop. And, and, and I know that that sounds a poor, you know, yes, that's ridiculous. That's what you should do. But we don't do that. Yeah. We don't do that. Why we don't, don't we do that? Why, why, why don't, why don't we do that? Sometimes, sometimes it's wishful thinking, right? We get into the holidays. It's my family. We're going to be okay. And there's that, you know, we've all had that, that little cringe of conversation that starts off a little bad and you kind of hope and pray that it's not going to go down the route you just described. But I can tell you this, that if you don't nip it in the bud and it does get to the way to the place where you just described, then it's a matter of setting boundaries and saying, that's not okay with me. Well, let me, let me describe what usually happens in that situation, because as human beings, we only really have two reactions, fight or flight. Fight is, listen here, you son of a bitch. Let me tell you about the real problem in this country. It's the GOP or it's the Greens or it's the Reds or it's the whatever, right? And he says it's the blue. You say it's the red. And before you know it, you're having an argument about who's right because you could not resist the urge to put him in his place after you heard him say something that you disagree with. The other one is flight where you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, pass the tomatoes. Um, and you essentially eat it. But you know what? It's going to be gnawing at you the rest of the dinner and later on. And once you get a couple of pops in you and you get that eggnog, uh-oh, that thing could explode. So I, I see problems with both, right? Absolutely. And, and listen, fight or flight is at our core. And, and I'm not challenging you on this, but we are more than fight or flight. This is the whole point. When somebody tells me I couldn't control myself, I just had to say it, I call BS on that. Absolute mm. BS. You absolutely can control yourself. This is, you can think whatever you want to think. That's free because nobody can see that. But if you're sitting at the table and you're going back and forth like that, unless that's like sanctioned by the family, hey, this is the way we all communicate. That's great. But if it's happening like that and it's it's causing problems, everybody has the ability to control that. I know, and you know, I don't want to hear as a psychologist, oh, I couldn't control myself. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You chose wow. not to. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Scotty, what do you think? Could you go back to that scenario, Scotty? You put yourself there. I know you and I've you and I have been talking about this for, for eons. So I, I know how difficult it is. Could you deal with it? the way he just described, or do you think you'd go in a different direction? Yeah, I mean, that's the only way to do it. And you have to almost change your mentality from fight or flight because that is our natural response. I, I got, I look at it, and when I, I do have family members that do this, especially since of my because of my job working within the media slash politics slash commentary you know, realm, I, I just don't give them the satisfaction. That's right. how I'm looking. They're trying to bait me into a conversation. I, I literally uh, approach it as they want to fight me on this. They know so my what do you politics. do? No, no. Tell, tell me physically and verbally what you actually do. I want to know. Situationally, it's different, but usually I just change the conversation. Um, okay, that's nice. Anyway, 
and I will get very passive where I'm just like, okay, enough about that. Anyway, let's, uh, so about the uh, Cowboys right now. Wow, look at this, you know, and, and that's what I have to do. And then if I have to but get that's blunt, flight. But that's flight. No, I get, no, I understand that, but I, my mentality is not, I'm running away from it. I'm just kind right. of dodging it. But Again, the I, doctor is the saying thing. the way you're supposed to deal with it is to, I, as politely as possible, say, thank you, Uncle George, for sharing that opinion. But if you could just do us a favor, this is a family meal, and yeah. we're going to try and stay away from topics that are overly heated, like politics and those kinds of things, just for the sake of the room. Is that okay, but Uncle I don't George? Can th- I don't you think, think most you can meet me? Ha- you, I think me? most people, I was going to say, I think most people, because we are humans, we don't like to feel like we're, we're, we're running away that we're, so it's, it's, again, it's changing your mentality that I'm not running away from it because if you're running away from it, most people won't run away. Most people will confront those things. Well, what you just described is running away, Scotty. You said, you'll say, Hey, how about them cowboys? A guy just told you all these stupid immigrants coming in from Mexico are all terrorists and criminals and rapists. And I'm glad we once had a president named Trump who was taking care of those suckers. If it was up to me, I'd kill them all. And you're going to say, how about them cowboys? You're running away. Then, then I'll be running away then. There it is. <laughs> that's the, if that's the only, because what's going to happen? I'm going to get an argument of with somebody because you, especially somebody like me, who is very, uh, a very, <laughs> pa- a very aggressive when it comes to arguing. And I get kind of, I get intense. I know better. I'm not going to get bait. I'm not going to give, you know, to quote uh, Clint Eastwood in Heartbreak, Heartbreak Ridge, I'm not going to give the pricks the satisfaction. They want that. They want to argue with me. That's so if I have to, if it's running away, then fine. I'm running away. There it is. <laughs> I talk. I leave him in your hands. <laughs> you <get> me. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm chomping at the bit. I apologize. I'm, I'm chomping at the bit. Look, there's levels to this. There's nuance to this. You know, again, if grandpa comes out with the way, with a dialogue, the way Rick just explained it. Yeah. You're probably not going to say, how about those cowboys? Because it's just, it's so intense. That being said, you know, there are times where, where a family member or someone starts going down that route a mm-hmm. little bit. It's okay to pivot because mm-hmm. that's really your first line. Okay, let's talk right. about something else. Right. Because here's the other thing. If it's a soft things. entry, if it's a soft entry, like, uh, you know, uh, boy, I've been watching. Boy, those midterms were really something. <laughs> I'm kind of glad that my side won. Okay, great. Yeah. You can you can pivot from that. Because mm. you can, and, right? and that's a litmus test. Listen, that's a litmus test mm. for you and for the other person. Because you throw that out, if they throw that out, and you try to pivot and you say, Hey, that, that's great, that's fine, let's talk about something else. What you are implying pretty clearly is, I don't want to go there, or we're not going to go there. So they have an opportunity to read that cue pretty clearly mm. and make a decision. Again, we're, we're working on both sides. If it escalates, that's when you have to set your boundary and that boundary has to be done in a civil way. And if you tell me, I don't want to do that. I just want to fight. That's your prerogative. I don't, that's, that's up to you. But if you're asking me as a psychologist, how do we get along in families at the holidays? Sometimes we have to set ground rules. I know a lot of families will say coming into the meal, we're not talking about this stuff. We are not talking about this stuff because we want to be together. Or during the meal, we remind each other of that. And that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. That's called being human. Well, I'll tell you what, I've sat in plenty of board meetings in companies that I have uh, been a uh, C-suite person at. And oftentimes I have heard the uh, CEO or uh, some other uh, board member uh, proclaim to the group, 
These are the conversations we're going to stay away from. We're going to talk only about this. So it creates ground rules. And I imagine if it can work in a business setting, it certainly could work in a family setting as well. Somebody just has to take the initiative to say it, right? You Exactly. And what you're doing is you're creating, you're doing two things. Um, and I've seen this happen in, in, in C-suites a lot. One, you are stating what's okay and what's not okay. I mean, you're creating boundaries for people. That's okay. Two, what you're also saying is, in order for us to work together, we need to stay away from these topics. Now, my only concern there is sometimes those topics need to be discussed. Mm. At Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner or whatever, they probably don't. We can be talking about why why we're all here together, what the reason for the season is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We probably don't need to dive into these deep issues. That being said, there are families that are going to dive into these issues. And if you can keep it civil, then fine. But it's your point, Rick. When we go to fight or flight, we are no longer acting as evolved humans. We're not. Now we're acting as primary, primal animals, which is what we are. I want to ask you about toxic people and why we would even invite them in the first place. And that's a separate conversation. But before I get to that, Scotty, I want to invite you back in just to get your reaction to what, uh, to what Dr. Claypo just said. I, I couldn't agree more. It basically does get very prime. I mean, the feeling when you get into that mode, I mean, I've been in the arguments with families before over politics, over Israel. I, I mean, and when you're in the midst of it and you get into that fight or flight where you're trying to decide, do I keep punching back? Do I try to get out of this somehow? Do I run away? You feel very animalistic. You be, it, it just it's in our core, of course. But you, when you lose that that civility, it's it's not a pretty sight. And it doesn't. It doesn't bring any kind of any kind of building from it. Nothing good comes out of that. It's just negative and it becomes ugly in fights. And so it sounds, it sounds, it sounds like you're saying from the moment. And I I can only imagine if you're having a conversation and there's always even, uh, you know, I, I, when I visited Israel, I remember I was told, show me nine Israelis and I'll show you nine different uh, opinions uh, about everything. (laughs) And, and that's not that you could, by by the way, you could probably say about it, but if you're sitting there with a staunch a person who truly believes in Israel's mm-hmm. right to attack the West Bank and go after the Palestinians. And as a young Jew, you say to him, no, that's wrong. That's an occupation. And suddenly you're having this argument over, yeah. over foreign policy while you're trying to yeah, eat Yeah, you're literally laying out the exact situation that I've been in before. And like I said, you feel dirty after. You feel dirty while it's happening. You're just like, why am I doing this? It, it yeah. just becomes extremely animalistic. Let me let me bring let me bring Dr. Claypo back into this one. I imagine, th- yeah, this that's one of those topics that I've known have happened with a lot of my friends. What, what, where, where do you go? What do you do? Again, when when you feel it, and and you made a good point, it's physiological. I mean, you your heart rate goes up. You can yeah. feel the blood. Your face yeah. gets flush. Muscles are tense. I mean, you feel it. It is more than just a, if you will, mental thing. This is the point where you ask yourself that very question. Why am I going into this right now with this person? And and you have to be careful with your answer to yourself. Because if you're saying, this is something I believe in and I'm passionate about. Well, what about the person sitting across from you? If it's your uncle, if it's your grandfather, mm. to, you know, 
to some degree, should you be going into it right now? What is it worth to go into it right now? Do you have to? Probably not. What even more important, forget your uncle and forget you. What about the other eight people sitting around that table who have to put up with you two morons arguing about, uh, you know, Israeli-Palestinian relations, right? I think that's a, that's a great point. I mean, again, you're making a circus out of this meal where you're all gathered together. Talk, you can talk about politics and religion and social issues all day long. Do you really want to create a fight in this moment right here? And if that's what you're doing and you're not just setting a boundary and saying, okay, I'm done, I'm out, even I'm leaving. If that's what you're doing, then you're not thinking about the room. You're just thinking about yourself. That's all you're doing. All right. Here comes the hard question that I think a lot of people grapple with. And it has to do with what we're told by clinical psychologists like yourself that whenever possible, we should avoid toxic people. It just makes sense. Surround yourself with people who make you feel good, people who you can learn from, and you will be better off. Try and avoid people who bring you negative energy, people who are toxic. But we're in the time of the seasons now, the year, the holidays, when we almost feel mandated to invite people who normally we would feel we would not want to be around because we think they're toxic. Do we just say, you know what? I'm sorry. I don't care if it's Thanksgiving. I don't care if it's Christmas or Hanukkah. I'm not. I'm, I'm not inviting Julio or I'm not inviting Maria because I don't want to be around her because she's freaking toxic. I don't care if she's my aunt or my grandmother, whatever. <laughs> I think it's, it's a fine line you walk because there's a difference between saying she's toxic versus she's being toxic or will be or can be toxic in this moment at this dinner. And I think this is an important distinction. Because somebody who you believe is so toxic that they're not going to be able to manage themselves at all during this meal, that's somebody, yeah, maybe you don't invite them. But there's there's some middle ground, which is A, talking to them. Hey, look, this is, we're, we're all gathering here. And as I'm telling everybody, not just them, no politics here. We're not talking about that. If they choose to go against that, then yeah, then that's somebody that said, you're not welcome here. But I think you have to be careful because even the toxic people in this situation during holidays, you may invite them into your house. They may have to be there. And what you have to do is, as I said, you set the ground rules. They can be here. You can be here and enjoy it with the rest of us, but we're not doing that. We're not going there. We're not throwing insults at people. And if you're going to do that, or if I see that you're doing that and you're in my home, I'm going to ask you to leave. So, so I guess that's a long way of saying you can have toxic people in your house for an hour and a half to two hours to three hours, but you have to set the ground rules with them as well, which a lot of times we don't want to do. We don't want to do that because we believe that everybody should know how to do this themselves. Do you think, I'm going to switch to social media now because this is a fascinating conversation about what we do in general to get along with each other, or as I would say today, not get along with each other. You have a place usually on Facebook, which is more often than not, where families have chat rooms, etc. And there's always the family member who uses that chat room, which is supposed to be about 
oh, look, my son scored a goal at a game and I'm so proud of my mother and we're celebrating a birthday this week, et cetera, et cetera, talking about familial issues. But there's always the person in the family who uses it instead to tell everybody else in the family how he feels about X, whatever, Trump, Biden, this, and it's just so out there and so almost uh, primal uh, and usually comes from a place of either ridicule or even hate, that it makes it really uncomfortable for the rest of the family. I can't tell you, doctor, how many times my wife, who's a pretty, you know, mild-mannered person, right, Scotty? I mean, Suzanne is like oh, a yeah. straight line, right? And, and and she will say to me, oh, man, I was just on Facebook and, you know, what's his name? Uncle or whatever, you know, wrote or posted something. And I could almost see the disappointment in her eyes. Like, why are you going there? How, how do you, how do you deal with that? Uh, again, you know, for, for me, the first question is, how often do you see Uncle So and So? You know, is this somebody that you're interacting with all the time? Yeah. Uh, because I think it's an important question. If this is Uncle So and So, who you only see once a year at holiday time, fine. Now, if you see Uncle So and So every other weekend, then it's time to have a conversation. Not on social media. Not on social media. Don't go there. Don't jump in. But to pull aside and say, you know, I understand your passion about your views, but it but it really comes across the wrong way yeah. or it comes across. the way. And I don't know that that's not going to spark uncle, whoever it is, to, to get more angry. But you see, somebody has to be a voice of reason and civility. And to get back to your earliest point, Rick. I think that's what we've lost is we've lost that piece of us that says, oh, yeah, that's right. I don't have to engage. And when I say loss, I don't mean it's gone permanently, but it's gotten so buried that we don't step up and say, no, that's just not OK. That's not OK. I'm not going there, which what? we are capable of doing. Again, when I hear people say I can't do that, I call BS. Hmm. You you don't want to do that. It feels better to jump in and fight or to run what most people don't feel comfortable with. And to get back to your boardroom, some of the most successful leaders are the ones who can sit in discomfort, being civil, mm. and not escalate a conversation. Mm. Just make the statement and sit there. If you can do that, very often you can de-escalate almost anything that is happening. And set parameters and create guardrails for the rest of the people in that room. I can't imagine that uh, there are more things that are as important as that because it it's it's ground rules. We we need ground rules, or else we just kind of run around like chickens with our head cut off. And I think that's a great point that you make. Let me ask you this: What is it? What is it about this time we're living in right now? like no other time that I think I've seen in my lifetime with the possible exception of the 60s when the hippies and the zippies were out there naked doing heroin and running around on the streets looking for free love and saying that they were anti-establishment and we had to take down the man and all that other stuff. But it almost seems like since then, there has been no other time when Americans have been more apt to go around telling everybody what they think about everything. The bumper stickers on cars are huge and offensive. The signs that people put in their houses, the words that they use seem very extreme. What is it about right now 
that is bringing this out in people. And I dare say a little more on the right right now than it is on the left, just like in the 60s and early 70s, it was more the left than it is the right. It is psychologically easier right now. What I mean by that is if you think about, and you gave all the examples, if you think about the way that we speak our mind, we don't really speak it, you and I, in a conversation. We do what you said. We put a bumper sticker on. We get to go out on social media where nobody can see us. They can see our words, but they can't see us. Or where we put our face out there and we can't see them. The anonymity that we have coupled with the outlets, just the sheer number of outlets where we are relatively anonymous allows us to keep building and building and building that emotional fervor that then puts us in this state where, you know, so someone tweets something or somebody puts something on on social media, boom, we're ready to fight because we're not sitting there and it's, you know, I'm not coming to your house, Rick, and knocking on your door and saying this. Hmm. And if I did, the chances of me actually doing that would go down dramatically because we are social beings. We don't like to face conflict that way. And that's the difference. That is the big difference. And when you see it happening perpetually, it's just going and going and going. This is why I say we have to check ourselves because emotionally, we come to the Thanksgiving dinner or whatever it is much more jacked up than we ever were because this is a constant feed for us. Hmm. You agree, Scotty? I do. I, I he, When he just said, I mean, it's the anonymous nature of the comments that are coming. And, and you very rarely ever see the same type of, of, of uh, aggression towards one another that you see on social media, unless it's a group of people. Like if, you know, as a reporter, if you go to a Trump rally, yeah, then it's a whole group of people. And now you got the, you know, that type of mentality. But one-on-one, you don't see that, that same kind of back and forth typically. But the anonymous nature of being behind a screen name, behind, you know, an avatar, it gives people... It disconnects people where they can start talking in more aggressive ways. Are we going through a period of time where we take more uh, satisfaction out of a fail than we do a success in others? That's a rough question. That's a tough question. Because <laughs> I, I kind of think... see that. I kind of see that. I, I think people get more jacked up when you fill them with fear or hate than they would if you showed them something beautiful and wonderful and mystical and nice. Well, to, in, if, to address it that way, you're absolutely right. Because fear and hate are survival threats, right? So to the extent that we perceive fear, uh, something as fearful or hateful, now we go back to our primal self kicks in. To the degree that we see something that's beautiful and wonderful, we're drawn to it. We like it, but it has it has less dire impact than the other. This is why fear tactics, those kinds of things work, because it gets people on edge. And I think that's a lot of what we're seeing right now. And, and again, I can't underscore enough the layered, you know, the every single day in every different outlet. And this is why... Yeah. Somebody has to step it up. And when I say somebody, I don't mean run around and say that. I say, make it you. You do it. You step it up. 
Oh my I God, said, you're making me think of the midterms and we all just suffered through this. Every single person who lives in America and consumes media in any form has just witnessed or lived through these ads. And I cannot think right now, I cannot think right now of one single positive ad that I recollect from this midterm season. Not one, not one. All I heard was, my opponent rapes babies and my opponent passed this bill and he sleeps with such and such and voted with such and such. And it's all, wah, wah. I mean, it's all attack, attack, attack. And I just think based on what you just said, doctor, if somebody were to come out and say, hi, I'm Rick Sanchez and I'm running for governor because I believe I have some ideas that can help reshape our government. My opponent is a good man, and he's probably got some ideas that he really believes in. My ideas are different. Here, this is what I believe in. Wow, I would, if I, I would, I would not only vote for him, I would create committees to vote for that guy. If he, I, I've never seen anything that resembles that kind of messaging anymore. It's gone, it doesn't exist. No, because we've created so much fear and noise that, you know, who's going to take the risk to not be louder, right? Psychologically louder. Is that a Trump effect? That, is that a Trump effect? I think, again, I think it is a, it, it, and I don't want to, this is not me dodging the Trump part of it. It yeah. is, a, it's all of it because yeah. it's not just Trump. I mean, look what's going on in social media. Yeah, We are passionately stating our views in these tiny little clips and, and, Passion bordering on fear is a real close thing. I mean, it's it's there's a fine line between that. And we hmm. what we have lost is the power or the perceived power of the way you just described it, of civility. We don't see civility as something impactful or powerful in the in the main. We only see it as something ineffective, neutral, not that potent. And that's the place where it has to change. Now, again, if you're writing your entire political career on it, I can see why you might not want to go there, particularly if your political consultants are saying, oh, I don't know. You got to be careful. No one's going to listen to you if you do that. So when when you were talking earlier about self-policing, I'm thinking now about the importance of being able to protect yourself from vehement messaging, Right. And uh, our media has become so siloed that, for example, if you watch Fox News, you're probably going to have a negative attitude about all Latinos and certainly any immigrant Latinos who may have recently come because the messaging is very anti-immigrant, very anti-Latino. If you watch uh, MSNBC all day, all the time, you're going to get a feeling that all white Republicans over the age of 50 are fascists. Um, so it's almost like if our media is so siloed and you ex allow yourself to be exposed to that kind of messaging for a long period of times, you almost can't help but become strident because Absolutely. We, it's data in, data out, right? Yeah, well, we've lost and, and people don't like to hear this, but what we're losing, I don't know, I, maybe I shouldn't say loss. We are losing our ability and our understanding of what it means to think critically. Now, again, I know people don't want to hear that because, they, well, I watch my channel and they present me all my facts and I understand it and they think, yeah. no, 
Thinking critically means, and this is something, again, where I get concerned both as a psychologist and as a parent. What are we teaching our kids? We should be teaching our kids that, you know, if you're, I'm using this, if you're watching Fox, you should also be watching MSNBC and you should be pulling from four other different sources mm-hmm. so that you're forming an opinion based on all the inputs. That's called thinking critically. We don't do that anymore because you know what? It's easier not to. It's so much easier not to do that. I just have to go on my feed and the feed feeds me everything that makes me feel uh, validated. And I watch the channel that I want and it all seems reasonable and they seem intelligent. It all seems good. That's not critical thinking. That's not critical thinking. And whether people like it or not, if we lose that ability, then we lose one of the most primary uh, advantages of being human is our go go back to the same thing. It's this big forehead right here, that ability to think about, is this true? What might happen in the future? It's called executive functioning. That's what makes us human. And critical thinking is a part of that. This is the Rick Sanchez podcast. And we're talking uh, to Dr. Uh, Josh Claypo, as well as uh, my sidekick, uh, Scotty Mednick, who's really had an interesting time with this conversation. Mm. I'm looking at your face and it's almost like you're kind of going like, well, you know, he's uh, yeah, right, but I'm, it is. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, how do you, but this how do you is very important this? information, Be- by the way. Yeah. How do you fix this? Because I, I've gotten into the conversation with, before with people where, oh, the media, the news, I, I can't deal with this. And uh, I, And I say to him, so why don't you just turn it off? If you can't deal with it, turn it off. And what you're talking before about the self-policing, but how do you get that message across to people that don't realize they need to be self-policing when everything they view in life is through the political filter, uh, you know, whether it be football, I can't watch the NFL anymore because they, you know, they're kneeling for the flag. I can't do that. Or I can't watch the NBA anymore because of LeBron or they didn't like Kyrie play or the freedom, you know, how it's do you a, yeah. get that point That's a fascinating point. It's it's omnipresent. I agree with you. This is a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 the messaging is kind of omnipresent because yeah. uh if you come at it from the left and you watch a football game, it's like, oh my God, enough with the flag and the soldiers already. Yeah. Can we just play the game? <laughs> I mean, every every game is like we're right. all getting ready to go to war. And then on the other side, oh my God, I just saw that guy not kneel during the national anthem. That's it. I can't <laughs> left and right and both extremes uh version of messages seem to be omnipresent today, no matter what we do or where we go, whether it's our kids' PTA meeting or the high school football game. You're right. I will I will say this as a reminder to, to all of us, because we are social beings. We are people who connect socially. The impact, if you want to have an impact, it is going to be with one person face to face. I'm not saying that that's the only way, but if we're just trying to message and message and message and sort of meta message, that's not how it's going to happen. Because as humans, we've come, we're, we're numb to that. If I sit here with Scott um, or you, Rick, in your house and have a conversation, then good or bad, the impact is going to be much more uh, potent than, you know, shooting back messages or responding to comments, uh, tweets, et cetera. It has to be face to face. It has to be one person. And that's where you are going to make a change. You're not going to make a change with giant just sort of big messaging, because ultimately that's not loud enough. The connection part is the loud part. Let me just do something now where I think 
through my experiences, you can always lead with. And I'm going to sound a little schmaltzy. I'm going to sound a little gooey. And I apologize if I do, but especially three macho guys here having a conversation. But safe space, right? Throughout. (laughs) Thanks. No judging here, buddy. Throughout my (laughs) life, I have always learned, and sometimes the hard way, that there are two things that if you put them in your heart before you go into any situation, they will probably guide you uh, toward a more successful outcome. And those two words are love and forgiveness. Love and forgiveness. And that means that if you go in saying, I know I'm going to have a Thanksgiving meal or I'm going to have a family backyard barbecue and, you know, we're inviting Aunt Maria (laughs) and I know Aunt Maria is going to come at me with blah, blah, blah. But I know because I'm saying myself, here's how I'm going to protect myself against Aunt Maria. I'm going to forgive her and I'm going to love her no matter what she says. If you could and I know it's hard, but if, if, you can, if you can somehow capture that and really embrace it and make it a part of who you are uh, by, with, through forethought and preparation, it can go a long way toward getting you out of these very difficult situations that we're going to be finding ourselves right now at this time in this country during the holidays. What do you think? Hey, yeah, amen. Absolutely. Because what you're doing is you're putting her, her humanity first and you're giving her a generous interpretation that she's just doing the best she can with what she's got. And you're holding that at the highest level, that she is human and you're holding that more important than anything else. This is where love and forgiveness comes in. If you do that, then what you do is you put her on a level that is equal in your humanity. Everything else goes aside. But it goes equal in humanity. And if you're able to do that, then you can stay civil. And so, yes, that's just a different way, me saying a different way of saying exactly what you just said. Uh, equal level? Describe that. When you said equal level, she is as as human as you are. I see. She is as human. And we we lo- we have lost that a lot. It's I don't care what your views are. You are you are a human like I'm a human. You are not more of a human or less of a human. We are both human. And that's mm. and that ain't easy to do all the time. But that is the truth. And if you can stay in that space, then you have a much better chance of keeping it civil. Yeah. Love a little more, forgive a little more, and it'll get you through the toughest of times, especially when it comes to interactions with other people. I think we can agree on that. Absolutely. Well, that's the best advice then for being able to get through these holidays because it is difficult. It really is. I mean, we are at a place right now in this country, and I hope eventually we'll get through it, but it seems like the perfect storm, all the circumstances of the media, the social circumstances, the politics, the economy, all of the things are coming together to make us want to be at each other's throats at a time when we probably should be finding ways to come together. But it's not going to happen unless we think through it and come up with a game plan and come up with the guardrails and come up with our own personal philosophy for being able to do this. So I'll tell you what, uh, Dr. Uh, Claypo, you are fantastic. I can't even begin Thank to you. tell you how much I enjoyed this conversation. I feel like you, Scotty, and I were just having a chat about something that a lot of people in this country are probably going to need to have a chat about. 
because I think they're going to experience some of the same things that we're going to experience, huh? Uh, it, yeah, it's not going to end with Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it doesn't end with holidays. You know, this is whenever family gathers or whenever people gather. So, yeah, this is a topic that we talk a lot about during the holidays. But as you all know, this is something that happens at weddings and at birthdays and at funerals. <laughs> and anytime we, I mean, you name it, if we're gathering, this is going to happen. And it's a challenge that we have for all of us. And it's a conversation that we need to have. And I, I appreciate y'all letting me come on to, to, to have this conversation. No, this is really smart. This is really smart. Dr. Josh Claypo and Scotty Mendick, and I'm Rick Sanchez. And this is the Rick Sanchez podcast. And I'm we're a part of Argo Media. I'm so glad that you're there. You know, you can find us on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, if you happen to be catching some of this on YouTube, be sure and subscribe, right? Yeah, as we like to say it together. Thanks to my guests. Thanks to you. And we'll see you the next time when we like to say, dale, andale y vamos con todo. Agua.